Welcome to the world's premier Black Crows podcast. State of America. Hosted by two of the band's most dedicated fans, David Hudson and Ian Rice. And now, let's get the show on the road. All right, everyone, welcome back to the State of America podcast. I am David, and I'm here with my host, Ian. Ian, how goes it? Not bad, not bad. How are you today, sir? Well, <laughs> we don't have anything. We don't have anything to talk about. Um, no, nothing. So we're recording this. The uh, let's see. Today is Tuesday, the day after the Black Crows made their announcement, and um, it has been a chaotic twenty-four hours for Black Crows and Black Crows fans, and it has been a whirlwind for the State of America podcast. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we are recording this after the day after we released what has become our, uh, I guess, our signature episode for right now, the uh, the Steve Gorman interview. And I expected a, a, a good reaction on that, but nothing like what we've received. And we're only about 36 hours after releasing it. And so uh, it's just crazy. So everybody that has listened and commented and sent messages and texts and social media uh, messages. Thank you so much. It means a lot. We we're just doing this because we're fans, and we know this is the kind of stuff we want to would want to hear about about the Black Crows, and that's how we do it. But the response has been just overwhelming. Uh, Steve could not have been nicer to us. Um, a big thank you to him uh, for agreeing to do that. And and like we said in the last episode, thank you to all the fans that helped make this happen. Because if you wouldn't have gotten involved. I, I think eventually he would have come on, but I don't think it would have been when it when it happened. No, definitely not. And I, I, I definitely echo that sentiment. I actually put something up on our Facebook page, uh, Facebook page. I don't know what I just said the first time. And, and uh, to to thank people, and uh, I I don't know how to properly express the gratitude I feel to the people that uh, have been listening and participating and, and doing all that. So all I can really say is thank you. And, yeah, Ian and I each have an app on our phone that shows us a real-time update uh, to our downloads, <laughs> and you have to refresh it. And all day yesterday, it was like I was hitting a slot machine. It was just, <laughs> it was just rolling and rolling and rolling. The one of the two of the cooler things to happen was I I get an alert that our story was picked up by Blabbermouth uh, Monday afternoon, which was really really cool. Um, that got us a lot of exposure and downloads, and then. About two hours ago, I found out that we were quoted, our podcast was quoted in a Rolling Stone article. And for 16-year-old David to ever think something he did would be mentioned in Rolling Stone, that just blew me away. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, you know, uh, as a writer, you know, I've written a lot of stuff. And, you know, your aspiration uh, is always to get into something like Rolling Stone. So. I, I don't care if I backdoor into that thing. I'm in it. So, you know, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Just crazy times we're living in. All right, Ian. So yesterday was um, my day uh, started out about five in the morning. I was getting ready to go to work and um, I had to drop my wife off at the airport on the way into work. And I happened to see on the Amorica three board, somebody posted. It was, I think it was an Amorica three that's, the website had been updated. And so I go to the website and it's already showing um, 
all the cities and, and links to buy the tickets. It says the tickets won't go on sale to 9 a.m. And um, then if you clicked on one of the tabs, it says that Howard Stern announced them that their reunion. Well, obviously that hadn't taken place yet. So uh, came popping up on social media that when they were going to be on Stern. So I put it on the at work. I put it on my app uh, and listened to it and was just could not believe what I was hearing and the way I was hearing it. I just never thought we'd ever see those two together. I know in the music business, you say never say never, but they were just one of the ones I, that I didn't think it was going to happen. And my first impression was Chris sounded like a different person. He really did. Yeah. I mean, I was, uh, you know, uh, working of course. So I was following things throughout the morning. I didn't get to listen to the appearance on, uh, the Howard Stern show, live but you know i caught it shortly thereafter and um you know i have my my thoughts and feelings on it which we'll of course get to but the the for a band that's history is so divisive in a lot of ways amongst their fan base this is the most divisive thing i've ever seen in their 30 years i don't know about you i agree it is it's people don't seem to be middle of the road on it it's one way or the other Absolutely. I mean, and I get, I don't know about you, David, but I get people that are, that are adamantly against it. I get people that are for it. It's the first time I've ever been able to clearly see both sides of the argument, you know? It really is. Like, I don't begrudge anybody that's like, I'm not going to it. And I understand people that say I'm going to go and, and enjoy it. it. It, like you said, I think both, both sides kind of have a valid argument there and it's very rarely do you ever see that in a when there's two sides of a of a coin that both of them have uh have valid arguments oh absolutely and like the big the big point of contention for a lot of people with that howard stern appearance is that a lot of people were calling it uh you know bs and fake and they were putting on a show and um i, I mean to be perfectly honest with you watching it I, I i i didn't get that impression at all that was the impression i was expecting uh, I'll be honest with you, but uh, I didn't get that at all. There was one point in that interview, it was very early on in it, if I'm not mistaken, where uh, Howard brings up you know, Chris having been on the, the program uh, about two, three years prior and saying some real rough stuff against his brother. And, I, I, and John Mayer. Bit, and John Mayer, yeah. But there's a, a look on, on Chris's face that he honestly looked, embarrassed that he had done that and i've never it's a it's a it's a, a thing that i've never really seen in chris robinson before you know and he had mentioned and this was something at the time uh was my best guess towards it is that the uh you know the suicide of of neil casal really changed his perspective on a lot of things and i i had always thought and kind of mentioned at, at the time that that might be an impetus for them to get back together on a personal level i mean i never thought you know, performance wise, but uh, just as brothers, I thought that would be the catalyst and it looks like it was. And I mean, how can you say that that's a bad thing really? No, on a human level, you have to be very, you have to be very happy for them. And I know that people are going to say this is all for money and it's all for show. And it very well could be very well could be. I'll admit that, but he sounded contrite about things. He, He explained his headspace and that his reasoning certainly made sense to me. Um, and um, he just, to me, sounded like a different person. 
And obviously there toward the end, he brings up Neil committing suicide and how that, you know, plays into things. But one of the things that both of the brothers were always consistent about during their, the breakup was whenever they were asked about it, they all said, they both said, I love my brother. I just don't want to be around him. They both said that. And they both said, you know, on a human level, it's sad that our children aren't going to grow up knowing who their uncle is. And that was consistent. That never changed. And um, so for them to connect and have the opportunity to patch that up and just from a family love uh, relationship, you have to be happy for them. And I watched that interview over and over again. And Rich was smiling more than I've just about ever seen him smile before. I, I felt like he smiled a whole lot on that first Magpie tour. And I felt like he you know, smiled a whole lot like uh, yesterday. But I will say this. I was disappointed that he never referred to Magpie by name. And I wish he would have explained the thought the when he said that, that being in that band was a drag. Was it a drag because it wasn't making money and it was financially draining? Which I can certainly understand that. Or did you not like the the music you were playing because when I saw them, he was smiling and very happy. And it seemed to me like it was a musical collective and he got a lot of his creative juices flowing and he enjoyed playing with all those guys. That was, that was disappointing to me. I wish he would have, and he may come out later and say what he meant and he may not. I took it as the drag part of it was the, um, you know, the financial end of it. Cause you know, I, I, I went to many shows and I'm sure anybody that was out there that went to a lot of shows, um, especially on the 2018 run, um, I, they didn't get the crowds that I'm sure they were hoping for. Most of the shows I went to were good numbers, but the place wasn't filled. And um, it's not a commentary on the quality of the performance. It's just it's the way the music business has become. It's a struggle to do anything new and original without some kind of name. And it's you know even with three members of the Black Crows in the band, you know, it still was a struggle for them. And I kind of got the impression, um, anything I saw or actually saw in person on that 2018 run, that there was some stress level associated with that, you know, quite a few times, which, you know, would um, chastise crowds for, for talking and doing certain things. And I just felt like there was a frustration there because maybe they weren't hitting as, 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 commercially uh, as much as rich uh, wanted to maybe the process was a little bit slower and it's uh you know it probably feels like a slap in the face after you're a guy that's been doing things for 30 years i agree i i completely can can see that i just i hope that's what he meant because for a lot of us that really enjoyed that mag those magpie shows and you know especially i like the second album a whole lot more than i did the first one but the first mm. one was still good and, um, you know, John and Mark, Sven and Joe and Slocum uh, and Nico and, and the girls, I mean, they all put a lot of hard work and, and time into that. And I know we all really enjoyed it, but that was that was kind of the, the, the thing that came out that was a little disappointing. And then there was the quote about there wouldn't be any jamming on the tour. Now, from an honest honesty perspective, I applaud him for saying that. You know, we know we're not going to go when the, we get those, the the hits or whatever they're going to play after Moneymaker. That my morning song's probably not going to be a twelve minute rendition, or we're not going to get mm. the long version of Wiser Time. I actually applaud them for saying that up front, um, letting you know ahead of time. You know, um, 
What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I as much as I don't like to hear that because I enjoy a lot of their jams, I think you know, with everybody saying that this is a hundred percent, you know, money grab on their part, I don't think that that's necessarily the case. But I do think there were compromises made for getting a big backing and a big push from Live Nation. And, um, you know, to do what they want to do and, and put it forth the way they want to put it forth, I'm sure that's a compromise they had to make. I would imagine that Live Nation, you know, said something along the lines of, you know, you got to keep it tight and stick to, you know, uh, crowd pleasers and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, it's on the one hand, I get it, you know, of where the like I said, where the music business is, is, is not a good place. Uh, but you know, for the for the longtime fans like myself and yourself and people that have been way deep into this for perhaps you know before us and things like that, it's 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 a hard it's a hard pill to to swallow, and I get that a hundred percent. My hope is they do this this summer, they get, continue to get along, they write some music, put out a new album, and then next year do a proper a proper tour. Yeah, I mean, I'm not as opposed to the the band situation being what it is as as others are the only thing that that bothers me is um steve isn't there anybody else i can really deal with especially and as much as i love all the other members like i can wrap my head around a new band it's just it's odd not to have steve there but i you know i individually looked up uh, all these new members you know youtube and things like that just to see i mean these guys are great players you could be in for some really some really great stuff. And if there was original music made with this caliber of guys, even though their names might not be familiar to you, they have uh, you know decent list of credits. They're in pretty critically acclaimed bands, and their their playing is is pretty uh, unique. And uh, you know that might that might be good grounds for some new material. Um, you know, but I always try to remain optimistic about stuff like that. You know, would I want to see Mark Ford out there on the stage? Of course I would. I love Mark Ford. I love his playing. He's a great guy. But uh, I after the after they were basically saying, well, the reason why they went with a completely new band was because they they wanted to break away from any anything in the past that was a bad situation for them. Like as much as people maybe don't want to hear it or don't believe it, that to me makes sense. I get why they would want to do that. If they're trying to repair their relationship on a human level as brothers and then trying to go into a working situation and maintain that repaired relationship, it makes sense that they would want to do it with a clean slate. You know what I mean? It does. And I have an open mind about the lineup. Would I like to see the classic lineup or as close to it as we can get? Yes, of course I would. Everybody would. Everybody would. But I'm going to be honest with you. I really liked what I heard on She Talks to Angels yesterday on Stern with the uh, the guy from Earthless uh, on on guitar. I thought his take on it was actually pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it really was. And that's the thing I think a lot of people, and maybe it's just knee-jerk reaction to start with or, or you know whatever, but people assume that if it's not the original band, it can't be good. And, you know, the, to me, the Crows have proved many times that it can be good. You know, a lot of people were skeptical about Luther and Luther was good. And, you know, and, and, uh, you know, really the, the best lineup of that band isn't all original members. Anyway, the best lineup of that band is the Oh five Oh six lineup. As far as I'm concerned with Mark in there on guitar, who was an original member and Sven, who wasn't an original member. 
you know. So it, I like to try to re- keep an open mind, and that's just the, always the way I've tried to do things. And I'm sure you're. I, I get the impression you're the, you have the same feeling. Yeah, there's there's part of me that's sad with how it's going down, but there's part of me, a lot of me that's happy. I love hearing Chris sing these songs. I really do, and his mm-hmm. voice. If anything, the CRB did it preserved his voice, and that was evident yesterday. Yeah, and also one other thing too is uh, a lot of people misconstrued something Rich said. I think um, I don't remember if it was in the Stern appearance or in the Rolling Stone interview, but he was saying that oh, as I was performing with the Magpie Salute, even though he wasn't naming them by name, that he kept feeling like something was missing. Um, a lot of people took that to me, you know, as a slight against the Magpie Salute, but I don't think he was saying something was missing overall. I think he was saying when they played Crow's material, the more they did it, the more he felt like, you know, he was missing Chris on that material, not you know, as a as a whole. That's how I took it as well. Yeah. At first, I didn't, <laughs> and I was getting yeah. kind of angry, but I've gone back and listened to it a couple of times, and and I I think that's right. So on our next episode, we'll talk, get more into Shake Your Money Maker and that performance. The interview or the segment you're about to hear, we actually recorded maybe two weeks ago. We had Seth and Steve on from the Americans, which is a Black Crows tribute band that I think they're predominantly in the Northeast. And um, we've been wanting to have those guys on ever since we started the podcast. They're big supporters. And then They've sent us files of their uh, their music, and they're really, really good. And you'll hear in this interview, they get deep into the Black Crows catalog. I think they'll they'll learn just about anything. It was really, really cool to talk to them. They were very knowledgeable. They both uh, met Steve Gorman, I guess, last weekend at a book signing. So uh, we're happy that they got to do that. Um, Ian, what were your impressions from talking to them? Very, very cool, guys. I, I couldn't have gotten along with uh, some people uh, better. I look forward to uh, having them on in the future on other things. Um, you know, and, when, and in, the, in the moment when you say that to somebody when they're on, you know, it sounds like lip service or something, but really I'd love to have those guys back and keep keep the discussion going on on different topics because they they ha- they share the same uh, enthusiasm for the, this music as we do and it's nice to, to have them and I, I really appreciate them coming on and since being on have really pushed the show on you know whatever social media platforms they're involved with with their gig so it's that's been great too i can't thank those guys enough no they were super nice and it regardless if they're black crows fans or not they're they're good human beings and we enjoyed talking to them so um our topic that we're going to discuss with them is um we all put together what would be our great black crows greatest hits double album so it led to some interesting discussion, and I'm sure some of you out there are going to want to throw your phone out the window when you hear our picks, and some of <laughs> you are going to are going to like us. And uh, it's okay if you don't like Ian's picks; it's all right. It, it's okay. Yeah, um, that's fine. I'm 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 okay. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, we know we have a lot of new listeners this week uh, because of the Gorman interview. We hope you like what what you hear. Ian and I are already working on some other really good interviews. And I think because of what happened with Steve's interview, those interviews are probably going to happen. So um, we hope to have more interviews in the future. Uh, follow us on Twitter at State of America. We have an Instagram page, State of America Podcast. And our Facebook page that Ian runs is State of America Podcast. And subscribe to us on whatever outlet you so choose. And if you get a chance, leave us a review on Apple Podcast. 
and uh, and rate us. That's really helps to expand kind of our reach. And we'll start showing up as being a recommended podcast when other people are searching for podcasts. That really helps us. So thank you so much, everybody, that made this past week just really, really crazy for us. And um, the fact that we got mentioned, our podcast got mentioned in Rolling Stone magazine, I still can't. I still can't uh, wrap my head around that, but that's all because of all of you guys. So we really, really appreciate that. And so without further ado, here is Seth and Steve from the Amorican. everyone and welcome back to the State of America podcast. We have a really special episode this week. Uh, initially when we started the podcast, we got bombarded with a lot of people wanting to come on our podcast and and we really appreciate that and we're doing our best to get all of those people on there. And one of the first people to reach out to us was Seth Miller. Now, Seth uh, has been a big proponent of our podcast. He supports it and uh, we really appreciate that and he is in a band called the Amorkins. And as you can guess, they only play Black Crows tunes. And uh, so we've been trying to find a way to get him on. And then his bass player, Steve Gleason, wanted to be on as well. And so we are really excited to have these guys on. They are really good musicians, which Ian and I are not. And uh, <laughs> they're diehard Crows fans. And so we know they're going to add a lot to it. So from the Amorkins, everybody welcome Seth and Steve. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for having us, you guys. Absolutely. It's a great pleasure to finally have you guys on. By the way, it's great. I, uh, I did listen to, did get a chance uh, just a couple hours ago to listen to the High Water 2 uh, review. Great job um, on that. That was excellent. Really uh, like the breakdown. It was awesome. Oh, thank you very much. It's already gotten you know quite a quite a bit of good feedback um, numbers-wise and just messages coming through. So I guess we're doing something right. So um, guys, normally uh, Ian and I will talk about kind of about current topics, and we wanted to include you on this because – uh, Ian and I have discussed this on there, but we haven't discussed it with anybody else. The Crows always have a divided fan base. There's they're never going to make everybody happy, but there seems to be a, a decent amount of uh, excitement. I personally have said, if Chris and Richard are together, I'm going. I don't care who's in the band. I'd prefer it you know, to be certain people over other ones, but Ian and I have talked about that. Everybody knows our opinion on it. What uh, for Speaking of two guys that have seen them a lot and really like their music so much that they have a band that plays it. What are your thoughts? Yeah. So I guess, so, uh, yeah. So wait, there's stuff going on in the Black Rose universe right now. <laughs> I think it's because we, I think it's because we started this podcast. We'll take credit Boy, for it. Timing is everything. Or maybe it's because we started the tribute band. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Maybe it's all, yeah, certainly the vibrations in the universe are on all of our sides. I guess we took the, the right moment. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, so I guess just for background, so um, I thought I was the lunatic Crows fan um, <laughs> in the band when, uh, when I joined, which we can talk about later. Um, I saw the Crows about 60 times, um, and I thought that was a lot. Um, and then I met this guy, <laughs> and he saw him, what, it was like 130 times or something? 150. So, yeah, so, yeah. That doesn't mean wow. it's more than any of you. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I've been seeing them a lot of times and seeing a lot of different iterations of them. I would say that I'm excited to see them, but I think this is all bias for a lot of people due to Steve's book coming out. And that kind of flavors, I think, for a lot of us after reading it, how we might feel about Chris or how we might feel about Rich. 
and how we might feel about them touring together and the, all the things that Steve had to say about how they ran business mm -hmm. and the way that they ran the band from an ideological standpoint. And I think normally I'd be very excited about seeing both of them, but I think maybe the book has a little bit, uh, it's, it's giving me, it's making me a little biased about how excited I am about it. Will I go see them? Absolutely. But in the past, I might have already bought plane tickets for like three different stops and gone all over the place. I can't say I'm not excited to do that. I'm excited to see them. Don't get me wrong. If Mark Ford's in, well, I got to put aside a couple of thousand dollars and go on the road, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I would definitely uh, agree with that. I, I see a lot of, uh, you know, people that have, have really seen him quite a number of times like yourself that aren't willing – you know, are saying the same exact thing. We're not going to, you know, necessarily make, uh, you know, long-term plans and, you know, flights and things like that. Um, but they're still willing to check it out. And then there's some people that flat out just are like very bitter about it. And uh, I, I, my mindset was that I'd like to see what it's about. I mean, the only thing you probably know that's the only reasonable assumption is that they're going to play a bunch of stuff from Shaker Moneymaker because of the anniversary. But beyond that, I've been treating this myself. I would echo most of what Steve said. Um, uh, it's hard to imagine chasing just Chris and Rich around the country. Don't be surprised if that band kicks a lot of ass. You you can't pick a better. I don't know how much time you guys have spent in Nashville, but a lot down there that can play. You know, <laughs> uh, we actually opened up this past summer uh, for a band called uh, Sam for a guy named Sam Grow, who's an up and coming country artist, and um, he's on a small label in Nashville, and they, you know, it's nonstop on tour. Three of the guys in that in that band watched our entire set. They're huge Crows fans. Like, I would not underestimate the influence the Crows have on musicians in Nashville. And there, there are, are, you know, there are guys that can play. Um, will it be the 96 Crows? Will it be, you know, 95, will it be the 05 Crows? No, of course not. I mean, it, it won't be. But um, it'll probably be pretty good, you know. Uh, and and I, I'm, I definitely agree. I think kind of a wait and see. It's, it's hard to imagine running around the country you know, there, I think there are other people that are worth traveling to go see, you know, beyond something that's probably just like a thrown together thing. But of course we're going to go. How are we not going to go? You know? Well, if you remember when they got back together in 05, it was going to be some hired guns. And then we get the message on the Facebook. I'm not on Facebook on the message board. It's Ford. And, you know, Steve has admitted I was obviously Steve wasn't on board at the beginning. You had Bill Dobro and then Neil Casal, which was always rumored he had the gig and Mark was not even on the radar. So I, I did hear that supposedly they've uh, turned off the comment section <laughs> on Facebook. Cause I think it was a lot of people saying, you know, this is a cash grab. Personally, I think the guys have a right to make a living just like we all do. I, I understand. I understand. It's one of those things. Like if you don't want to go see them, I completely understand it because for the four of us talking, everybody listening, the black crows mean a lot. And they mean a lot more to me than any other band. And it's one of those things, if you're not a music fan, you say that's silly. But to us, it's not. I mean, every emotion that I can go through, I can find a Black Crow song to either uh, affirm that emotion or change that emotion. And mm -hmm. uh, that's what I told Chris. I met Chris last year at the Crow Flies show. And I said, look, I'm just going to lie. I'm, I'm going to fanboy you here for a second. Your music has made the good times better and the bad times not so bad for most of my life. And he, you know... He, he was so he was kind of like taken back and he said man that honestly means a lot he said that's why that, that's why you do you know get into this business so i'm gonna go and i'm for that two and a half or three hours or however long they're playing i'm gonna be in the zone regardless of who's in the band but my worst fear 
is we're going to get a press release, Black Crows, Third Eye Blonde, and Spin Doctors on like a like a package <laughs> tour, and I'm just, oh, that's going to be awful. Hey, listen, man, the Spin Doctors are good. <laughs> All right? You know, that's, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I wish if they did do a package tour, it would be kind of like the uh, Tedeschi Trucks Wheel of Soul tour, which sure. I went I went and saw this summer with um, oh, uh, Shovels and Rope, uh, Blackberry Smoke, and um, – you know, Tedeschi truck. So if they put together something like that, or yep. I personally think a co-headlining tour of Blackberry smoke is a no brainer. No doubt. No, so, no, that would, that would be worth going to check out. And Tedeschi trucks is always worth going to check out. So, you know, that's uh, yeah, that's great. In fact, um, a bunch of us went down to Nashville to see the magpie salute this last February at the Ryman and uh, Tedeschi trucks was playing. In, uh, the, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, magpie salute was at Canary row. And then we saw Tedeschi trucks at the Ryman the last, the following night. So it was uh Oh, that was great. Yeah. But it would have been nice if they played together. I oh, think you're right. I think the Crows have a, a very big problem and have for a long time of understanding who they should play with, who they should hook up with, what tours they should be on, and how to market themselves. Not that I'm a, a genius or anything, but a lot of times I really think, feel like they're the most misplaced band by fans mm-hmm. in maybe the history of rock. People think they're a jam band. Well, they're a band that jams. I think Steve outlines this pretty well in the book. You know, and... Uh, Again, what are we going to get? Like you said, are they going to be in a 90s revival tour? God, I hope not, because that's not what they are. They're the band from the 90s that sticks out as not the 90s band, right. you know? Right. Yeah, I, th- I would like to see them packaged, like you said, with, with other good bands. Maybe do uh, Blackberry Smoke and have Marcus King Band as the opening band. That would be uh, a lot of fun. I'm, I'm a huge fan of his. I told somebody if I could buy stock in somebody right now that's a musician and sell them in 20 years, I mean, he's he's the next Warren Haynes. Yeah. And he could, he could pull a double. Yeah. 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 You know, I saw As the Crow Flies, and, you know, I understand why people got upset about it. But uh, like I said, for those two hours I was there, Chris Robinson was being a front man in a rock and roll band again. And it was fun. It was fun to watch. And honestly, the CRB has preserved his voice. His voice sounded better at As the Crow Flies than I've just about ever heard it, at least since uh, some of the shows in the 90s. I'm guessing that uh, <laughs> guessing that Neil never turned his rig up quite as loud as Rich, is my guess. And uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but actually, I only took one picture of the passage from Steve's book, but it was that moment about, like, I can't fucking sing, you know? Like, <laughs> right. And he's like, he's like, stop doing coke, you know? And he's like, and they're like, they, they were both right. They were both wrong. We were all fucked. <laughs> That's true. It's really, yeah. So, yeah, no, I'm, I agree. Um, I've not seen the CRB myself, um, actually, but, um, you know. Uh, I agree with you, though. It didn't require him to, to be in uh, a yeah. higher register, scream as much. It's mellow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't a rock and roll singer in that. And right. I, Look, I thought he sounded great. The version of uh, the the Almond Brothers tune on New Year's Eve that I saw online was like knockout good. Uh, revival, I think they played. Right. Uh, was knockout good. And look, when he's singing, correct? When he's when he's on, who's better in the history of rock? Very few are in that in that room. It's rare. Yeah. yeah. Very I, I, I've said it many times. When he's on, he is as good as '72 Jagger, Stewart, oh, yeah. Rod Stewart. Uh, Paul Rogers, all the the, the great voices. Absolutely, all three. Yeah, agreed. All right, guys. So um, we've talked enough about uh, the Black Crows. Tell us about the Americans. Um, how you got together? Uh, a little bit, you know, about what you do, and and tell people where they can find you online and where they can come see you live. Because 
you've sent me some of your set list. You guys aren't playing uh, the greatest hits. <laughs> I mean, you play you play those things, but you guys hit the deep tracks too. So, just kind of give us the history and where we can find you and and, and plug whatever you want to plug. So this really came out of uh, the death of Eddie Eddie Harsh, and uh, a friend of mine wrote a really poignant um, eulogy for him online that that kind of pointed out that while we've all grown up in a certain era and like, you know, we like the Stones and we like Sabbath and we like all these bands and Zeppelin, none of them were really our band. And the Black Crows were really our band, mm-hmm. right? Van Halen, don't you do a Van Halen podcast? I do a, just a general music podcast, but Ian came on and we talked about Van Halen last week. So uh, Dig- Digital Kill the uh, Radio Star, cheap plug. Yeah, well, look, I love Van Halen, but Van Halen came out in, like, 1978. You know what I mean? The Black Crows are, like, I'm 50. If you're around that age, there are bands. And the passing of Eddie kind of was like, oh, here's the first guy that's kind of of, of our, mm-hmm. our ilk and our age. And uh, it led to a lot of conversations, and me and the, the one of the guitar players tried to start a tribute band. We couldn't find the right singer. It didn't work out. Then two other guys, uh, local local pros, for lack of a better term, they had the same idea. They called the two of us. We got together. We started jamming a little bit. We uh, tried out a singer. didn't work. Brought in another singer. And uh, we, we went and played a show. We, uh, we got two backup singers. We went out, immediately played like an hour-long set. And uh, somebody filmed Sting Me and put it up on the, on, the, on the web. And Seth ended up seeing the video and was like, hey, look, if there's, if there's ever a chance... I want in. Yeah, let me. I'll, I'll sort of. Uh, yeah. So, so I guess just uh, first thing. So we're uh, for those uh, for those folks that uh, that listen to the podcast that aren't uh, that don't know about us. Um, so we're in the Boston area. Um, we are we're sort of uh, headquartered in the Merrimack Valley area, which is sort of just north of Boston, about forty five minutes to an hour, depending on you know where we are. Um, uh, right on sort of the Mass New Hampshire border. There, um, we uh, rehearsed Steve's place in Nashua. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it was back last March, I think. The band started, in, I think American started in the very beginning of 2018. And then I know you guys, a bunch of you guys ran into each other at, at, at Magpie shows, I think, right? Which is, and the Magpie really kind of drew this whole community together. It's really, it's been, inc- I can't even believe it. Like, we'll get more to that in a minute. But, but uh, so it, I think it was like March last year. Um, I, it was, I remember it was kind of a crappy day. I just got back in the gym. And I was kind of down the Facebook rabbit hole, and I and my uh, my membership to the True Fans of the Magpie Salute group was approved, and I was like, oh, cool. And I'm just, I didn't know what I was going to find there, you know. And I just scrolled down, I was like, oh, video tribute bands. Oh, that's cool. All right, whatever. So I listened to a couple of them, and I was like, this is all right. That's cool. Whatever, you know. No, you know. And then I came across one. I think it was that Sting Me video, and I was like, hmm, that sounds pretty authentic, like. Hmm, wait, you know that guitar is tuned in open G. I can I can hear it, you know. <laughs> like and uh, and and then I was like, I started looking more, and I was like, and it's a Tewksbury Mass. So I was like, these guys are in Boston. I, I saw, you know, it sort of like started looking at who's who in the band, and I saw that Kevin Meany, uh, one of the guitar players, also was in a Skinner tribute band called Vintage Skinner. You know, a little plug for those guys. Um, they do real well. They've been around a while, um, a lot longer than Americans have, and they 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 go all over the place, and they they do quite well. Um, I was like, well, that's got to be the guy in charge. Like the guy who's in like Skinner band and a Crow's band. That's got to be him, right? So I just I made friends with Kevin on Facebook, and I said, hey, Kevin, I was like, I just came across this video, and it's like, man, this stuff sounds really authentic. Like if you ever need a sub, like I'm living in Boston, I'll be more than happy. You know, I would love to do that. And then, um, and you know, it was it, apparently 
as the story goes, uh, a little bit of kismet fate, whatever, um, it was either that day or that week that John uh, told um, the rest of the band that he was moving to Syracuse, um, you know, which I guess had always, always been in the cards, but I don't think the timing of it was known, you know. And, uh, and so, uh, and I think I actually posted this because it was my one year of anniversary not too long ago uh, in the band. Uh, you know, I got a message one night. I like woke up in the middle of the night to the bathroom or something. It was like three in the morning. I saw this message from Kevin that like, hey, our singer is leaving. And, like, we're going to be auditioning people. I wrote back at like 3.30 in the morning. I'm like, uh, I'm never up this late, but like, yes, I want to do that, you know? And uh, and the rest is kind of history. There were auditions and all stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, it's... Um, I mean, I can't believe this happened to me. You know, I mean, like, this is, just doesn't make it, you know, it just doesn't make sense. You know, and the whole, to have, to not only be able to do this, because I tried also about 15 years ago to put a tribute, a tribute band together, and I could find people that wanted to get high and play the songs wrong, but I couldn't really find anybody who could actually play and was committed to the material. And you need a good-sized group to do it. You know, it's eight of us. We have eight pieces. Yeah. We have backup singers. Uh, we're completely committed to the music, which is the most important thing. I bought Rich Robinson's bass that's on Three Snakes and it's on Lions. <laughs> I bought it, I play it on stage. Like, it means everything to be able to access the tones. Like, we want it to sound like the Black Crows. And the mojo. Have you seen, oh, the, believe me, mm -hmm. the bass has magic in it. <laughs> but if, if you've seen the set list, then you know we'll do some of the covers that they played. We'll play B sides. I mean, this uh, next week we're learning words you throw away. We're wow. gonna add the set. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, we'll play. Stop giving away our secrets. We'll play anything from the catalog anybody wants. Yeah. All you have to do is email, yeah. ask for it, come see us. We'll play it. Will you guys do sleepy heads? Perhaps. <laughs> no, they <laughs> will. They will not do sleepy heads. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, that's really not most. I'll tell you, the most requested one we get is feathers. More than any other. That's than any other like one. he's not. That is not an embellishment. Like I, I, I can't believe how many people, who I like, you know, people who I tell are, are, are close friends. Like, oh, do you guys do feathers? I'm like, how is this the song? <laughs> like crazy. One, one thing I did, I've learned more about the Black Crows, despite the fact that I went to so many shows. Like I guarantee you, guarantee you that all three of you guys know a thousand times more about the band than I. I mean, I've learned more in the last eighteen months about the band than I ever knew. I always went to see them when they came around or when they were anywhere nearby or if I was anywhere nearby where they were gonna be, you know? Like I happened to catch the, the opening night of the Lions tour at the joint in Vegas because I was there for a trade show that week and I'm like, well, I'm not leaving, you know? <laughs> like I'm sticking around, you know? But I, I didn't know much about the band other than like that Chris was really mouthy and had a real knack for burning bridges and, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, I. Yeah, I just, you know, had no idea. Um, oh, and that Steve Gorman was the greatest rock drummer the last 30 years, full stop. I mean, like the most underappreciated, underrated drummer. Look, I agree with you. When I go see the Crows and it's a general admission show, I stand basically in between Rich and Chris. That way I can see Rich and Steve the whole night and get a, you know, a good view. All right, so I've, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you guys this. So you talk about playing anything that's requested. Have, you, have you learned Life Vest? No. Oh, really? The the song I'd like to request. David's a little shy; he might not bring it up. But the song I'd like to request for for David would be uh, "Go Tell the Congregation." No, no. Yeah, you guys, you guys, yeah, you guys are just not. I like that song. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I, yeah, I, I like that. I, I I think that's good. I think "Welcome to Good Times" is a good tune. I, yeah, I, 
that record. Uh, I enjoyed your guys' breakdown of of, of um, uh, you did you did you did lines. Did you guys do both? No, we did lines, but then we did a, a B sides episode, and and most right. of our B sides came from uh, by right. your side. So. Yes, I mean, there's been a lot of by your side talk on the podcast in general. I was starting to space out there a minute. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's I mean, a cool tune. Ozone like Mama to me is the only real like yeah, piece of garbage. Other than that, like I don't I mean, think that or licking is ever going to happen. So repertoire, you mentioned you, know, you talk about like when you do Life Vest or Sleepy Heads or you know whatever any any number of tunes, right? I mean, this this band has more depth in like unreleased material and fan favorites that no one else would ever like only the hardcore fans would know I, I just can't think of any other band that has this level of like just the volume of material that fits that description it's crazy it's just insane um but you know um i would say actually um it took us probably i don't think i'm like letting out any company secrets here i think it's probably took us six to nine months to come up with a process to choose repertoire that wasn't going to break up the band. <laughs> like we just started to have to put, we had to put stuff in a hat, you know, like just every, so there's, there is a real, there's something and all you have, you don't have to look any further than any number of Facebook groups to find just how divided like and divisive everything can be. And you know, this band is a lot of different things and speaking, I can only speak for myself, but I, it's really why I love the band. It's not, you know, I don't love the band in spite of that. I, you know, I don't, I don't like only half the catalog and not the other half. Like I love, the dynamic range of this music so much. I mean, I you know the the ballads, the slow tunes, the the broody, you know, weird stuff, the rockers, the things that really get funky at times. You know, I mean, I you know I I like a lot of different kinds of music, and there's an awful lot to like about the Black Crows. You know? Well, yeah. I had to make sure that we played tied up and swallowed. End of story. Steve, I have to say, Steve totally gets credit on that one. You know? Absolutely, like, 100%. Just, he very gently lobbied and lobbied and lobbied. <laughs> and now everybody loves playing it. You know, it's, well, it's hard yeah. because if you're doing a tribute thing, a lot of people think, well, we have to fill the dance floor and we, you know, people. And uh, the nice part for our band is people come to listen. They come to stand, listen, mm -hmm. and, and, and watch what's happening. We're playing an actual show, you mm -hmm. know, and those, those tunes in a specific order mean something. And for us, we all have uh, a chance to write our own set list. They all have different vibes, and everyone has a different way that they like to go about it. So we play a different set every single time we play, just like they do. It's yeah. never the same, ever. Yeah, that's, that's, that's to me, to, I think to everybody, really, it's, it's, it's part of making the experience authentic. It's not just playing the songs authentically, but you know, conducting the show in a way that's authentic too, right? Without all the cosplay, because then we're not going to do that. <laughs> um, but my set list might open with, uh, you know, Misty Mountain Hop. So <laughs> his might not. Yeah. You know, it doesn't. Whatever, whatever, uh, whoever, who's ever feeling it, that's what we're going to do. And it also depends, like, what did we play last week? You know, especially if we have a bunch of shows ganged up in a row like this. We happen to be coming out of Rocktober and into Crowember, uh, and uh, <laughs> we're going to be. Uh, playing like three shows in four weeks in the next little while here, so uh, we're gonna really shake up the sets, you know. And then one thing, I you know, I, I want to be, I want to make sure that we get this in. I'll probably do this more than once, but I really want to make sure there's only there's only two of us out of eight here, and this band, you know, it, it is the ultimate team sport. It does not happen without every single person bringing what they're bringing to the table, you know, whether it's our our two guitar players, Brian and Kevin. Um, our keyboard player uh, Brian, we, have we call him B3 for obvious reasons. Even though we need two Brian's, uh, and uh, uh, absolutely our drummer Malcolm, who is, I mean, 
you know, the aforementioned, you know, god of the drums right now, Steve Gorman, as far as I'm concerned, to anybody who's going to sit in that chair and try and pull that off, you know, that's that's special. You know, he's really bringing it. Uh, and uh, and our two backup singers, um, Sherry and Ermine, did I get everybody? Oh, yeah, this guy, Steve. Yeah, you know, so it's, um, <laughs> you know, we, we rehearse like once a week for like without too much skipping. And uh, we've been able to learn. I mean, when I first came to the band, uh, when I started, I, so I got in officially July 11th, I think it was last year. And our first gig with me and it was in September. And I think, you know, the, the at the time it was like, we got to, we need to learn a few more tunes to have two whole sets. And now we have almost four hours. It's really, if you're a Crows fan, there's almost nothing better than being in the band and saying, let's, let's go this road next, mm -hmm. you know, let's do that Clapton cover. Let's do, you know, it's really, it's kind of freeing and awesome. Yeah. You know, well, well shout out to you guys. One thing I love about, what you guys are doing on the podcast, by the way, is I, I love how, you know, one of the best things about the Black Crows, hands down, is the introduction to other music that they were, that they gave us. And, you know, and I, I love what you said too, Steve, about, you know, that, that this was our band. It's like, that's absolutely true, you know? Um, but wow, I mean, the, just the amount of, just the, all this other music that I just never would have known even existed probably. I mean, you know, they, they'll play these really obscure tunes and that leads you to something else, to something else, something else. And, uh, you know, if we didn't have bigger fish to fry these days, I would be like leading a huge petition and charge to have liner notes on streaming services. Cause I, can't, I hate, you can't know who's playing the harmonica on this track, you know, like that drives me nuts. Oh, it's, abs it's absolutely true. I mean, I think I owe 75 to 80% of all the music I own somehow you know, like six degrees of separation or something, you know, it could go back to them in, in any way. And, um, you know, even as as uh, odd as Wilco, because they I remember at the time, um, Rich Robinson was very into Wilco's their first album, uh, AM. Mm -hmm. And so I have followed Wilco since then because of, you know, so it's just I mean, you're absolutely right. It, a lot of your stuff just traces back to them. Yeah, I feel the same way about Dave Grohl. You know, like I, I just like my. I, I'm not even like a huge Foo Fighters fan. I, I, I dig it, but I'm like, I'm not like. You know, I would totally go if somebody had say, "Hey, I have an extra ticket." I would go. You know, but like, I love watching all the documentaries and things that he's involved in because he's just so respectful of everything that came before him. You know, like that Sound City thing is so cool, and he's a real uh, fan. He absolutely. There's nothing, Bingo. and he's not afraid to be uncool. You know, like he would. He would have bought this. Like have you guys have you guys seen the video of him singing uh, the Rick Astley uh, doing the Rick Astley song Never Gonna Give You Up with with Rick Astley in London and like they tore the roof off the place with that and like they learned it and played a hard rock metal version of it and Rick Astley I mean the place is going nuts I, I I've I like that I always respect that like um, uh, the Crows do that you know if somebody's in town you want to walk on stage Government Mule like. Um, uh, I, I live in Jackson, Mississippi. I saw Government Mule about two years ago. Bobby Rush just walks on stage and starts singing blues tunes with him. You know, um, you know, Mule does that. Uh, Tedeschi Trucks Band does that a lot. To me, that also shows that you're humble. Because when you let Derek Trucks walk on stage with you and play a song with you, regardless of who you are, there's the potential. I might not look that great. And yeah. uh, the same thing with letting, you know, Susan Tedeschi come. I mean, she has a top five voice for me, letting her come on stage and sing with you. So I think, that, you know, uh, that shows a lack of ego. It also shows a respect for the music. And any band that does that, I really, I really appreciate that. Um, I'm, I'm sure you guys are the same way. 
Well, I put up a video today of Wilco, uh, and you're saying this on Facebook, of Wilco and John Popper sitting in on the horde uh, and playing Willen. Um, is that, know, the, is that the one where he's like, they're like, we're the guys from Wilco, they're not here yet, or something like that? Yeah, yeah. They're not very pragmatic. Music doesn't start in that YouTube video until about two and a half minutes in. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. great, though. I saw it two nights earlier in Virginia, and they all came out and did the same tune. And to Ian's point... I know Wilco because I saw them play with the Black Crows and then was like, who is that? You know, and, yeah. you know, AM and all that. Yeah. You know, I'm aware of a lot of bands because of them. I wouldn't have known Little Feet at all. Mm. I know Little Feet a ton because of the Black Crows, <laughs> without question. Yes, Little Feet. I mean, I've got like three or four albums strictly because of Willen and uh, Roll em Easy. I, I totally got into Little Feet because of them. And, uh, I mean, I, I developed uh, quite a sizable obsession with little feet for a while there too all right so uh let's let's explain the parameters to our topic this week it's one i came up with a couple of weeks ago and uh i sent a suggestion and i had something else planned i sent a suggestion sent it to ian and ian's like i like that better than my idea for right now let's uh let's roll with it so we're going to pick our greatest hits double album and uh, each person is going to come up with their own list and they can defend it or we can agree with it but here are the parameters. There has to be one song from every studio album. You cannot have anything from the Lost Crows or B-side. You can have a like a uh, well, there's going to be a bonus track. So that's where that's where we can have a bonus track because uh, uh. we're going to do a Japanese release and it's going to be a bonus <laughs> track, and that can be anything that hasn't been officially released. So. Um, uh, Good that. <laughs> and then the other thing is like you could pick a song that was necessary that was like on Crowology that you think that's the definitive version, or you could pick a live song from like Freak and Roll or uh, Wiser for the Time or um, what's the Black other um, with the Black Crows Live. So um, with that said, like it's twenty songs, one song at least one song from each album, and uh, I think all four of us are going to have a different way that we went about doing it. And all four of us are entitled to our opinion, and it's right. So uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. And so uh, since uh, Steve and Seth are our guests, let's do any, mini, miny, mo. And Steve, let's go with you first. Uh, so uh, in Steve's defense, so uh, so the the no B sides thing, I don't think was in our version of the rules. Okay. So so, so, right, so I'll, Steve, I'll it. It, it doesn't affect my list, but I think it uh, does. Oh, well, affect, we can. So, all right, so you you'll do an Australian release, a release for Australia. <laughs> okay, I'll go with it. So uh, my first side, ten ten songs per side. My first side would include seeing things off of uh, Shake Your Money Maker. That's really the only one I put in on Shake Your Money Maker because I feel like you know, look, Real they're played a lot. I do I do adore that tune, and I love the the slow blues feel of it. Plus. Chris's voice in that is like beyond reproach good. I think that's the song off that record. Mm. I loved hearing the whole story in the book about how that happened, um, about how that came together. You know, that was, I wanted more of that in the book. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so off Southern Harmony, I put in Sting Me, um, Thorn, and No Speak. I, I just feel like um, any mixtape I ever made in the early 90s included... Uh, at least Thorn and No Speak No Slave. Always No Speak No Slave. Because one, that usually a person had never heard it, and they're like, that is what the, was that? the funkiest, <laughs> nastiest riff I've ever heard in my life. You know, um, And probably my favorite tune to play live, I think. 
Um, I also included as a B-side here, because uh, I, I thought we had one B-side. I included Words You Throw Away, um, which I, I just think uh, when they played that at the Wilbur in Boston, I really, I about shit my pants. I was real happy to hear that. <laughs> Uh, there was there was a bunch of people around me going nuts and a bunch of people that I had no idea what was going on. But I, I just uh, I got that from this dude, Hagar, which I'm sure a bunch of people in your audience know in like 1997 on a, on a B-side tape. And I, I adore that riff. And I completely understand why they, they turned it around and, and turned it into a remedy. And, you know, you can hear it if you play it. So as far as Amorica, um, I chose uh, Gone. Um, which I think might be the best opener of any album ever. I love the, the, the percussion way in, and I love that the bass doesn't start until almost two minutes into the song. And I feel like that's like just so impossibly groovy that you have to start moving in the middle of it. Um, nonfiction was a tune that I, I always felt was really nasty in a, in a vocal sense, you know, uh, I, who would want a daughter? She'd be just like you, and that will not do, you know? Uh, this is, like, for me, the height of Chris and what he has to say. I think that's uh, really vocal varsity for me. I, I think uh, Sunflower should make its way as far as... I think it's the most underrated Mark Ford solo. People love to talk about Salvation, and it's awesome. There's no doubt. And no, I love the why and no speak. But that Sunflower solo is... Whoa. Yeah. Just so, so impossibly good. And it's long. Mm -hmm. And it's so syncopated to what's going on underneath. If you if you try and play it, it's like, oh, man, this, this tune's a bear. And it's that really... That solo grooves in its own way. Yeah, it's, totally. it's, uh, it's, it's great. Now, as far as a bonus track in here, I, I, a Wikipedia has uh, tied up and swallowed as a bonus track. I feel any list is incomplete without uh, tied up and swallowed. Clearly the most romantic song in the catalog, if you have enough. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a love song. Uh, it is really, they're all love songs, really. Like <laughs> like Dylan said, they're all love songs. Um, so, but that was a bonus track on Amorica, right? According mm -hmm. to, uh, so technically a that's studio. Fine. That's fine. It has, a, so uh, to finish off the first side on Three Snakes, I included Under a Mountain. I think Under a Mountain is one of those songs that if you're, if you're a big fan, that's one when you go see them live, you want to hear that that organ swell and and yes, that rages, yeah, perfume and Valium. You know, it's really, really again, the ability to 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 paint a picture with words of of someone that's got a bad problem with with something. Um, so my backside includes Pawn Shop, which I also think is an emotional powerhouse, and uh, all of us have have met the girl that we couldn't get because she wouldn't let us before. And I, I really feel like another solo that when you go see the Black Crows with Mark Ford is transcendental in a way that I feel like I'm connected to something bigger than me when it's going on at the end. Um, Nebuchadnezzar, um, I love Nebuchadnezzar. I think it's so Beatlesy and awesome. It's been my, my email address since 1996. Uh, <laughs> I, I adore this tune. Uh, I, on blackrose.net for years, I posted under Nebuchadnezzar. I, I adore that song. I think it's tremendous. I know people are very iffy on that tune, and it gets a so-so response, but God, I love playing it. Uh, Bring On, Bring On is a t another tune in the, the jam section of the Black Rose. I think it's short shrift sometimes that I really think that the harmonic interplay between 
Chris and Rich is like at the forefront of how that song's played. And one of the best songs that you can see live that really goes somewhere and isn't too jammy, but has enough jam in it to, to make it worthwhile. Um, from then we go to By Your Side. I only included one. I included a horse head. Um, again, another riff that's just as much funk as you can get in one riff. Um, I love playing horse head. Yeah. God damn, what a fun tune. And I heard <laughs> you talk about this in the podcast. Uh, Midnight from the inside and out, I think we sent you a version of us playing it. Now, again, I own the bass that recorded this. It is insanely fun to play this song. What a monster-ass riff this is. And uh, in my mind, even though it's not the, the premiere or, or it's not the Mark Ford years, it's my favorite tune of the non-Mark Ford years. I think the drums in it are insane. His vocal's great. Um, God, I love that tune. Um, I think uh, as far as War Paint, Oh Josephine is by far the standout on that. Um, I wish they let the jam go at the end. They did live a bunch of times. I would have liked to have seen... Uh, the magpie do that tune more and, and really bring it, you know, update it more. Um, as far as uh, after the frost, I brought in Good Morning Captain, which I've been lobbying for in our band for a long, long time. I love Good Morning Captain. I think that's, again, a, a funky, funky, funky riff. And uh, it's one of those tunes that Sven, I'm a, I'm a bigger Johnny fan. I kind of disagreed with your whole podcast on this. <laughs> <laughs> but, I'm sure uh, nobody else did. Yeah, that's right. yeah. but, but, uh, I think that's a tune that Sven's really outstanding on, like really, really outstanding. Uh, now, as far as you had one unreleased, I chose, this is my, my favorite. I, I'm an English teacher by trade, and I use this tune teaching poetry in class. I chose Spider in the Sugar Bowl Blues. I love, love, love the imagery of this tune. Um, I asked the kids what they think of it, and they, some immediately go to drugs, and other think, others think it's a fairy tale. I think this is just the spaciest, uh, deepest tune from their from their drug years that has a lot to say but has nothing to say. <laughs> yeah. I, I adore that tune. Um, and my last two uh, were Boomer Story uh, and Roll 'em Easy, which are both on um, Wiser for the Time. Again, I don't know if they're the definitive versions of them. I think not, but I wanted to include them anyways because I, I love both those tunes. I adore Boomer's story. The version from Ronnie Scott's in 91, I think might be the definitive version. Uh, Roll Em Easy, uh, every single time I got Roll Em Easy, just couldn't be happier. I, again, one of my gateways to Little Feet, and uh, kudos to the Black Crows for doing that for me. Thanks for everything. Anyway. As far as uh, Boomer's story goes, uh, I, I would agree with you. I, I enjoy that very much, and that's going back to something we were talking discussing before. I went and bought a bunch of Rykuda records because I heard them play that song. So I, I would definitely agree with you on that one. David, I don't think that's so much. But. I'm, I'm not a boomer story guy. I was t I've talked about it on here before. Once uh, Luther got in the band, I feel like every time I went to see him, that was like the encore. But if I'm not mistaken, Luther's dad, I think, produced a lot of Rykuda albums. So I, oh, oh, Jim Dickinson. Yeah, yeah I often wondered if, if that's why. But uh, I, I like your list. I, I kind of liked your... Uh, uh, methodology that you went on it um i would i would point out that uh yeah boomer story is the one i was like yeah i can't get on board with that one but all the rest of them uh no argument and i i like your i like your reason for including them so uh 
Thank you. <laughs> 21 songs, only one stinker. So that's that's a pretty good uh, success rate. It's not bad, right? <laughs> right. As, right. A side note, as a side note, I would like to uh, say that I appreciate the term vocal varsity that you use. That's great. So. Yeah, right. totally. Yeah, you know, it's funny. You guys often talk about um, how Chris is an underrated harmonica player, which I don't, I don't really agree with. But I do think he's an incredibly underrated lyricist. Like, um, you know, when I was, you know, that was my only sort of concern with um, with Magpie, kind of, you know, even though it's really its own thing. I was like, well, because lyrics are really hard. You know, you knew you were going to get the music with Mark and Rich and, you know, and whoever else was in the band. But like, but, you know, and I, it's, it's been good. The lyrics in Magpie are good, you know, but, but Chris is really, I think of all the things that kind of like, you, you're born with that voice or you're not born with that voice, right? Like you get that, but it takes actual work to develop, like, wordsmithing and lyrics and that they're not they're not title song they're not a january i can never get out of and none of that's i think the imagery that chris comes up with is like top shelf you know a guy that might have been an english major i think he said it plenty of times mm-hmm. um and i i really feel like a lot of these songs for me are evoke imagery i really do and i feel like um their connection to certain grooves really really helps me love them in a way that i don't with other bands all right, Seth, you are up. So uh, I, uh, from uh, Moneymaker, I picked uh, Sister Luck and Seeing Things. Um, and, and in general, the, I think the exercise, the way I took the whole exercise was like, let's focus on underappreciated album tracks, <laughs> you know, because I think everybody knows what the actual hits are, right? You know, so um, yeah, Sister Luck and Seeing Things, um, you know, uh, just two just great soulful blues tunes. Um, uh, there's really only two songs in our repertoire that I don't always feel like I feel like my voice has to be all the way there to sing or I start or, you know, I can't tell you how many times we've scratched seeing things on stage just because like we were short on time and that was on the list. And be like, all right, cool. You know, <laughs> that is uh, oh boy, that uh, that the second verse is brutal. Vocal varsity. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That is yeah, that is that and Bad Luck Blue Eyes is the other one like that oh man like if I don't have a hundred percent of it even then I'm just starting to get comfortable singing that tune that 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 might be the hardest thing the hardest song to sing in the whole Pearls catalog I think uh, yeah Sister Luck and Seeing Things uh, from Moneymaker uh, Thorn in My Pride uh, Sometimes Salvation and My Morning Song from uh, Southern Harmony I mean obviously we'd all like to include pretty much the entire Southern Harmony record right even the hits are like just so good um but yeah thorn is uh there's just something about that song that i've just always connected with on a totally non-intellectual level you know it's just something visceral and emotional about that and it's the only song i won't let the girls sing lead on um in our whole thing like i'm, I'm happy to like you know let the, the you know we really try and um let Ashari and Ermine have lead vocals you know and from time to time and like let them you know they're great singers in their own right. I like to make sure they get they get some spotlight time there. And um, but nobody's allowed to sing porn except me. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Um, so those three, obviously, a lot of a lot of omissions there. No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, yeah, that were difficult. Um, you'll notice I uh, my list is very Amorica heavy. Um, and you know um, somebody once uh, I'll digress a little bit. Somebody I think recently on one of the one of the boards or Twitter or somewhere somebody said. You can only uh, have one Black Rose album. Which one do you have? And I think my answer was you can have Southern Harmony, Amorica, and Three Snakes when you pry all three of them from my cold, dead hands. <laughs> 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 so, 
but yeah, so uh, I chose Gone. Uh, I don't think I could say anything about Gone that Steve didn't say that that would be worthwhile. Um, so impossibly fun. Yeah, well, it's 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 the build of it is it's it's like a perfectly captured live track when you think about it. Really, like that that whole opening is something that you don't hear on a on a recorded album. It's so long and just you know, and the build of it, it just I mean, certainly not other than in like you know, prog rock seventies explorations. You just don't hear that kind of a build in a song, and you know, yeah. So also really hard to sing, but totally worth it. And if you if you blow out your voice on that tune, nobody cares. Everybody loves it. So, um, yeah, uh, Cursed Diamond, um, it's, uh, you know, doesn't everybody hate themselves? <laughs> really? uh, yeah, I mean, that's the, lyrically, that, that whole, yeah, that tune. And um, I don't know if I'm going to be the only one who, who, who has Wiser on their list, but to me, you, I have to have Ballad and Urgency. I must have that song. And I can't have that song without Wiser behind it, you know? So I, I, that's that's... That's Heartbreaker and Live and Love and Me. You know, you can't separate those two tracks. That's one tune. Um, and uh, I really hope we're going to be playing Ballad really soon. Uh, I have a feeling that in the next round of songs, it's going to get added to repertoire. That was one of the tunes when Mark Ford left that as many times as I saw them after Mark Ford left, I never felt like anybody ever was able to play Ballad and Urgency correctly. Mm. They didn't have the same vibe. It didn't have the same... It, it just... It didn't have the same meter to it. And in 05, when I, I started seeing them again in Mr. Crow's Garden and they broke it out, I was like, ah, oh, here it is. And there's almost when, nothing When you like, got that tune and you yeah. knew Wiser was coming behind it, when you got that at a show, you, it was just like, I mean, like I was brought to tears more than once at well, a show. You know, I mean, that's just. And the coda in the middle is, uh, again, another transcendental moment for them. And then uh, I just. I just I don't know how you leave descending off of this list. I just how, how can you do that, right? So so that's yeah that's easily Amorica gets the most real estate on my list. There's five tunes in one. So uh, Girl from a Pawn Shop, uh, which I had in common with Steve there. Um, that is uh, also one of my very favorite songs to to sing with with Amoricans, um, especially because you know we, the girl sounds so good in it and like it just yeah you know, that was one of the first songs that we added when I first got in the band and I was like this is going to be huge like people are going to love this, and uh, and I was right. <laughs> uh, How much for your wings is the other tune um, on that record that I just can't live without. That's, I mean, there are many other songs on that album that I mean, I just really, I don't have. There's not one song on that album I don't like. Um, but uh, and they actually, when we went to Nashville, um, Magpie played How much for your wings, and I like, I almost lost it. That was just uh, <laughs> so good. It was the it was the transition out of the acoustic set into the electric set, which is such a perfect thing to do. And Magistro was crushing it, and like, oh, so good. Um, uh, from by your side, I've got a horse side also because you know you got to have that, um, and uh, and also virtue and vice. Um, you know, if you saw them around that time, they just they they pretty sure they closed almost every show with that tune for a long time, and it just you know there's there's a good reason for it. That's you know it's a good one. We uh, like playing that one too. Uh, those are my two picks from uh, from by your side. Uh, I also had Midnight from the Inside Out. Um, yeah, that you know, there. You know what? You know what? I uh, I pushed super hard for us to learn that song. At, we played um, we played we play at this place uh, about say let's say three times a year or so called the uh, the Olympia uh, Restaurant uh, Zorba Hall, which is um, it's a legit venue. It's about three hundred holds about three hundred people, and it was actually built in the forties or fifties. For uh, for the uh, owners of that restaurant to bring over people from Greece 
during the summer to play traditional Greek music for the, all the people that had immigrated because uh, it's in Lowell, Massachusetts, and it was a, a huge Greek immigration um, population there. So it's got a cool history of the room. And uh, so when we play there, we, it's live at the Greek. Um, and so we do throw in a few Zeppelin tunes. And after we did Missy Mountain Hop and I heard those guys like doing that, harmon that harmony guitar solo, I was like, we got to do Midnight from the Inside Out. Like, how do we not... You know, and it didn't, it didn't make a lot of sense to me that that happened after the Jimmy Page tour. You know, that was so Zeppelin y, that, that whole riff under the verse. It's like, sometimes I just want to shut up and listen to the guitars play. It's so good. <laughs> uh, and soul singing, which, you know, I, you know that's, that's just it's a fantastic song. It's just such, such a great song. I mean, that, uh, everything from the you know, guitar, the opening guitar riff to the, you know, the, the bridge, all the, the backup vocals, it's just a, Beautiful, wonderful song. Well, I don't know how you guys feel about it. I really feel like in 05 when they were jamming this this jam out, soul singing jams, like so off the charts good. That one, yes. when I don't get it with you know the one with Ford, it's it's uh, it's definitely on the show from San Francisco on the live record. It's so so good, and I feel like the song's almost incomplete without it. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Oh no, Steve! Steve, I absolutely agree with you. I've always said that about that, and that really took that song from a song I was kind of okay with to a song that I really looked forward to. And I actually saw them do that jam out uh, at an '06 show. And it, you're absolutely right. That's that's the perfect. And, and they subsequently dropped it, even when Mark was still in the band a bit. Uh, they dropped it out of the out of the out of the track, and I never understood why they did that. Really. Um. Uh, so um, I uh, my next my next track is a uh, Cold Boy Smile uh, from Karaji because I believe that's the only place that appears on releases, right? Isn't that the only place? Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a wonderful song. It's a it's a, it's a great just a straight up love song ballad. That's um, it's fantastic, fantastic song. Um, uh, I also picked up Josephine from uh, from War Paint, um, and that's my only War Paint track. I'm not a huge War Paint fan um, still, but and with with the constraints, obviously, um, not too much, uh, too much else to add there. Um, I got two tracks from before the frost. I've got good morning captain also, which is great. And I, I especially, I just love the breakdown, uh, in the middle of Magnolia, Magnolia, Magnolia. So great. We're unfamiliar yeah. with the version that they did on Letterman live. I think it's mm -hmm. like the definitive version. It's like a soundboard quality sound. It's so, so impossibly good. Yeah. It's excellent. Uh, and been a long time waiting on love. Gotta, you know, gotta have that. Uh, another song I'm very excited to uh, to add to the in to the, the pipeline. Record. It's in it's definitely pipeline. In the pipeline, it's definitely got it's got to be there. So, and I uh, and so that's that makes um, I, I think that's twenty uh, or nineteen rather. And then uh, and then uh, I decided I was gonna make a game time decision between exit and title song. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna pick title song. <laughs> and so um, that's my unreleased track for the list. So, Keen, so are you, you you waited till this moment to, to make the cut, huh? I, I mean, again, it's like I only get one, so that's <laughs> boy, that's tough. So that's we've had tough. we've had gone on both of your lists so far yeah. off of uh, off of Morka. That's uh, that's interesting. That's interesting, and you guys both, uh, Steve, you didn't have Pawn Shop, did you? You did. I, I did. did. Okay, so you I both did. had Pawn Shop, and you both had Midnight from the Inside Out. Yeah, and we both had Seeing Things, and both had Seeing Things. Okay. <laughs> That's uh yeah. that that's a that's a good list. I mean, like you said, there's so many songs to choose from, and I I probably cut sixty from my, you know, uh, from my list, and I, I know it was hard for you guys. Uh, Cold boy smile. Uh, 
I agree with you. Great song. The, the, the Crowology version is great. Um, and uh, a song I really like, wish we could have gotten a, a studio version of that was, you know, not necessarily acoustic, you know, however they want, intend it to be played. I like an acoustic a lot. Actually. I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah. The 2006, the, the tunes they had, It Takes One to Know One, Magic Rooster Blues, and that tune, I all thought, I thought all those tunes had a whole bunch of promise for a new record, especially It Takes One to Know One. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's a bummer that they recorded nothing except for Backdoor Santa from that, from that <laughs> era, really. Yeah, I, I may or may yeah. not have come across, and David as well, uh, a series of demos from that period. So that, uh, uh, might have to just share those with you fellas. Might be your uh, participant. Might this is your fee? This yeah. is your fee. <laughs> I'm in our honorarium. Yeah. Let's see what you got there. Yeah, yeah. All right. So it's interesting that you bring up the Lost Crows. I don't know if you guys noticed this week. It was removed from Spotify and from iTunes and no, all str- and all streaming platforms. Wow. Yeah, which is which is really weird because like we've talked about like I don't have a CD player anymore. Like my new computer doesn't have one. My old computer is just garbage. Uh, my new vehicle doesn't. So I'm gonna have to find a way to transfer the Lost Crows from my old computer to my new computer and put them on my phone. Uh, Why? Well, how about I'll send it to you for the demos? Uh, let's let's talk about the podcast. A trade. I got a couple of suggestions yeah, for you. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of ways. To we'll hook problem. you up. Yeah, we'll take care. But uh, so now I heard I heard they removed that from that platform really because they were afraid that other guitar players might hear it and feel <laughs> bad about themselves. So you know that's why they had to take it off. <laughs> they also removed the Brothers of a Feather album as well. That's so weird. So uh, we'll see what all that means. I I I've heard I read a couple of rumors today. People speculating that we may be about to get a round of reissues. And, I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, Crowology is kind of like the white whale on vinyl that I'll, I'm looking for. It's like you can't find it for like under two hundred dollars anywhere. Even the Boger brother can't find it. Like, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man, I tell you, those guys are great, man. I, t- I tell you who else who else can find some stuff is is Mr. Ian Rice. Uh, I'll, about once a month, I'll open my door up, and the UPS guy would have left. I'll see that I see it's from uh, New York, and I'm like, "Oh, who's this from?" Every time it's Ian, and he's uh, he's found me something. Uh, he's like the Chris Kringle of podcast host. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, Ian, we haven't talked. You want to go first? You want me to go? Um, I'll run down mine real quick. Okay. Um, I kind of approached it a little differently, um, in the respect that I try to I give it like a a fair overview of the the entire catalog because it'd be real easy for me, the type of fan that I am um, to just strictly go for, you know, deep tracks and things like that. But I tried to get like a, based on things I've heard live and and stuff like that. So, um, and I also, I went a little more structured and I, I tried to do two tracks from each record because it kind of worked out to the, to the 20 properly. So actually I went, I went, far different from you guys uh shake your money maker wise i had uh twice as hard on there which obviously was a single but uh it's exciting to me so i put it on there <laughs> and then the other one i had also based on hearing it live was uh, stare it cold i think that's a real good um track for the live setting um and i i always thought it was a, a decent opener and they didn't use it that much as an opener so shows how much i know but i was this close to putting on stare it cold i love stare it cold a <laughs> sunday service tune yeah, it's great, man. Southern Harmony. I went with uh, with with Remedy, and uh, my morning song. I think that I think my morning song. 
honestly, um, at least for the for the Ford era, is like it showcases every strong aspect of every member of that band. Um, so it's it's like a quintessential song for me for that era of the band. You know, it's like church for us when we play it. Like it's you know it's just there's something about that song. And I agree with you uh, for my next two uh, two picks. I think that Ballad Energy and Wise of Time always have to be together. And uh, a couple of times, you know, because I spend, as I'm sure most Black Crows fans do, spend a lot of time uh, trolling through Crows space. And I noticed a couple of times they would play Ballad and Urgency without Wiser Time. And I can only imagine how pissed somebody in the in the crowd would be to think that Wiser Time's coming. But uh, And then I also had uh, She Gave Good Sunflower. On there, I think for the same reasons uh, mentioned earlier, uh, it's just a, a fantastic tune. Just um, a- uh, three snakes wise, I had three tunes, but one of them I used the uh, the live version from uh, Freak and Roll uh, in place of the studio. I had Under a Mountain, Girl from a Pawn Shop, but I also put uh, Halfway to Everywhere, uh, the live version, because the the breakdown at the end of that live version. That is like you. You talk about Sunday service. That is a Sunday service, man, and that's awesome. It's just awesome. They ever played that live ever? Yes, yeah. yeah. ninety-nine in Boston was yep. the first time they played it live yep. ever. Yeah, yes, great tune. Uh, uh, fantastic, and and really, they I I didn't know this till more recently that they didn't really play it on the Three Snakes tour. It wasn't until '05 that really they started breaking that out. They broke it out in '99 in Boston. Um, February '99. Uh, very few times on that tour, but yeah, that then, then when they broke it out finally in '05 uh, and '06, it came with that fantastic jam. Yeah, so I brought a first a first time guy to one of the shows, and they opened with it in the middle of it. He turned to me, he's like, "They're gonna burn the whole place down." <laughs> I said, "Yeah, man, that's what that's what that's this what is gonna be like." Yeah, 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 exactly. And on that on that freaking roll, it's the first it's the, it's the opener. So like they're doing that right out of the gate, you know. That's pretty pretty ballsy, and considering you have to follow that, you know. So by your side, wise, I actually have the track by your side. I always thought that was a great, great, great tune. I had "Welcome to the Good Times," which I think is, if you had given that song to the to the band in the early seventies, you you mm. it would have been a perfect tune for them. I always it always sounds like the band in a lot of respects to me. Mm. And then um, I did the soul singing uh, live, like we had talked about for the reason we had talked about because of that fantastic jam. And then I had uh, also from Lions, I had um, Miracle to Me, mm-hmm. which I thought is a very unsung, beautiful track that they did there. It was and, a great uh, version on the on live, Black Crows Live. Yeah, we were both there for that too. That's recorded at the Orpheum, <laughs> the beautiful Orpheum in Boston. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was the last uh, stop on that tour, I think, right? That's right. Steve quit at the end of uh, the Halloween show. Yes. Now, I'm, I, I feel a little embarrassed because I kind of did uh, skip over Oh, Josephine, which is a fantastic song. But uh, I went with um, Moving On Down the Line because mm-hmm. I like the intro to that, especially live. I think it's like a, a dynamic build. And I like songs that start and then build upward, you know, like that. So that's why I chose that one. And then I also had Walk Believer Walk because I thought that's it's a really good mm. I think that's a killer rich riff. I, I like John Hawk singing it actually. I, did, I, I caught that a couple times on Magpie. And they, that was, he did a real nice job of that actually. Spen's a monster on that. Yeah, he is. He's a monster yes. on that. 
Absolutely. And John did a lot of nice stuff with a lot of the Crows material, in my opinion. I, I'm a very big fan of John Hawks. So. Amen, Ian. <laughs> anywhere near enough love. What an impossible situation to walk into. Yeah, and, and that's going back for me, going back to Hooker Brown. When, and he took a beating when he was in Hooker Brown and would do Crows songs. And I thought he was great then. So, you know, um, much like yourselves, I had um, Good Morning Captain and uh, been a long time. I threw in, uh, just so I could get another Southern Harmony track in there, uh, Hotel Illness from Crowology, because I really like that version of it. Um, yeah. And then, you know, not a big surprise, but my unreleased track was uh, Exit. I, I couldn't. I couldn't see going any other way. I love Exit. Yeah, it's so good. Speaking of moving them down the line, the way they intro it, it always makes me think of uh, Led Zeppelin's "No Quarter." How's mm-hmm. that slow yes. and that organ slow, repetitive? Uh, and uh, I knew you were going to get "Welcome to the Good Times." And that, that song's grown on me a lot, honestly, since Ian's pushed it a lot on me, uh, <laughs> especially uh, the um, the outro to it. I think is really I was good. The part at the end is so. It's oh yeah, so good. All right, let's see here. I guess it's my turn to go last. All right, I took a little bit different approach than everybody. I took it from the standpoint if somebody walked up to me and said, who are the Black Crows? Um, I'm going to give you some like radio hits that are easy to digest and then a few like and, and some like deeper tracks. So that's kind of was my thinking on it. Uh, I went with Twice as Hard off Shake Your Moneymaker. Uh, when I see this song live, it makes me so happy. And, and man... Steve Gorman beats the heck out of the drums on this one. And I love the, the, you know, you guys are musicians, so you understand it more than I do. Like the end, how it's like, and then they just stop. And I always think when a band can do something like that and just stop to me, I'm like, that's just amazing. Like a fanboy out. Um, and like I always say, <laughs> at their essence, the Black Crows are a rock and roll band. And that's a rock and roll song. Oh, yeah. I went with uh, the Crowology version of She Talks to Angels. For me, that's the definitive version. Luther Dickinson came on at the right time for this band to play the kind of music they were wanting to do. And when they recorded this, I know he's playing on it. I think Larry Campbell from uh, Levon uh, Helm's band uh, is in on it. Um, I r- really love Crowology. It really made me appreciate some songs in a different way. I had gotten to the point where if I never heard She Talks to Angels... I would be fine with it, but I love this version. I think Luther adds these really subtle touches, and he's really in his wheelhouse on stuff like this. Um, I also went with Stare It Cold uh, for the reason it's just a great rocker, and I like how they, toward the end of, uh, I don't know if they did it with Jackie. I think they did it with uh, Luther. That would be a breakdown in bet- in the middle of my morning song, and then they would go back into my morning song. Uh, I love it. It's just a great classic rocker. Uh, from Southern Harmony, I honestly could have put the entire album on here, but I, I, I was obviously run out of space. Thorn in My Pride, is I have it. I think there are three songs that completely define the Black Crows. Thorn in My Pride, Wiser Time, and My Morning Song. And uh, Thorn in My Pride, I love Thorn's progress. I love every version that they can play of the song. Um, I'm going to have to go with Sometimes Salvation, the Mark Ford solo. It, it ne- I never get tired of it. Uh, this song was this song fits Chris's voice perfectly. Uh, he kind of brings out the uh, the Southern Baptist preacher in him uh, the, the way he sings it. Um, I'm gonna have to go with Hotel Illness, a song that whenever I hear it live, it makes me happy. I can't dance. I'm a terrible dancer, but in my in my head, I'm doing a Grateful Dead hippie dance the whole song. Um, 
I love it. I'm like you. The Crowology version is great. Back when Steve would put on the marching, uh, the marching band outfit, and you know, and come out and play. Uh, let's see, my morning song, and I picked the freak and roll version of it because that's the only officially released live version featuring Mark Ford. The build up at the end, I think it's called like the sunrise section. I was listening to that on the way to work today, and I looked down, and I and I was, I mean, I was speeding like ridiculously because I, you just get <laughs> so into it, you know, and it just builds and it builds and it builds, and it's a little bit different every time, and mm-hmm. so uh, it just, the, I love the climax at the end. Uh, off of Morca, I have gone as well. Um, mm. I, I just think that's one of the most unique songs in their catalog. Uh, it's also the lead song on the album and it shows the different, uh, textures to the album with like a, the percussion on it that, that you see through a lot of the, uh, of Amorica. So it's a great introduction to that. Um, wiser time has to be on every list. Uh, it's just, it's a, such a great song. It showcases pretty much every member of the band. Um, and then descending the ultimate Eddie Harsh song. Um, I'll, I'll say this, it's a song that no matter where I am and I hear it, it, it kind of, it, it, you know, gives you all the feels, uh, especially when you think about, um, you know, how he died. And, uh, I don't know if you heard on, on one of our episodes, unfortunately, one of my friends died, uh, recently and, uh, five minutes after he died, this was a song I put on and, uh, we, uh, we played it on the episode and dedicated to him. It's just a very special special song to me that I think depending on what state of mind you're in can have a different meaning, uh, to you every time. Uh, the outro to that is one of the most moving pieces of music I've ever heard, period. And, Mm -hmm. uh, hats off to Matt Slocum for, for, for chat, taking that, that on. Um, I really appreciate that girl. Let's see. Uh, three snakes under a mountain. Like you said, if you saw that one, you know, it was going to be a good show. It was just a great song. Some of Chris's best lyrics, Girl from a Pawn Shop, maybe my second favorite Mark Ford song behind Sometimes Salvation, uh, and on a, on, depending on the day, it may be my favorite. One of the most moving songs I've ever heard, and f- moving from a guitar standpoint, I mean, he evokes so much emotion to that, and you just, it adds to the gut wrench of, of the lyrics of that song. And then uh, Good Friday. I love this song, and I love it when they extend it. Like in 05, 06, they would, it'd be about a minute and a half longer, and they yes. would, uh, you know, Mark would kind of... Twice around at the beginning, and the, the harmonica's longer. Yeah, that's the way that song's supposed to be played. When, when, when he kicks in with the harmonica, man, it, it's on. And uh, there's some really good versions from like 05 uh, that, I, that, that I go back to. And then a song that I think is, I think there are two songs on uh, Three Snakes, that are forgotten songs on the album. Uh, one of them is one, uh, one mirror too many. I don't have it on my list, but I love it, especially as an opener opening track, but, uh, better when you're not along one of the more, more unique songs. And it kind of sticks out on that album because it's a positive song with it. The rest of the album is very down and mm. likely drug and, you know, it's a drug album, but, uh, better when you're not alone. Uh, great song. And then off of By Your Side, I too chose By Your Side. Uh, that's one of those ones that just has a it's a great groove to it. I think the band enjoys playing it. Uh, it you know, it's just a lot of fun. Now, um, if it ever stops raining, I kind of prefer lyrically that a little bit better. And you have Mark on, but By Your Side, I like Virtue and Vice, the closer. Uh, this was the song that I think could have made the cut on any other Crows album 
off of mm-hmm. By Your Side versus some of the other ones. And then a, a, a song that everybody but Ian has picked, Midnight from the Inside Out. It's the first song I ever heard the Black Crows play live. Uh, uh, yeah, I didn't get to see them. I didn't get to see them until '01. And uh, there's something about this song with that false start at the beginning, and I love the version of that on the um, that uh, HBO special. What was it called? Reverb. And Chris has got the po- the ponytails with the sunflower um, soul singing. I just think that's a fun song. That's a song that if if you take somebody that's never heard the Crows and they hear that, they're going to enjoy those three or four minutes or. When Ford played, you know, six or seven minutes. All right, and off of War Paint, which is by far my least favorite album by the Crows, um, I like uh, Oh Josephine. Uh, moving on down the line uh, is one I've always enjoyed, especially live. But uh, for me, Goodbye Daughters of the Revolution is fun. It's a great introduction to Luther. Uh, he's a little low in the mix at times on it, but he's playing some great lead on that. Uh, the, the melody in the background. And then uh, Before the Frost, I have been a long time waiting on love. Uh, I think the song is a little bit too long, uh, but I love the verses. And to me, it almost, the verses with the somebody playing the bongos and stuff in the back almost has uh, a Santana type feel until they get to the chorus. Yeah, I've maintained for years that that's uh, like hi hat blues. Ex- exactly. Kind of and it adds so much, so much to that song. Uh, and that's always a fun one live. And then my unreleased track, it's their, in my opinion, their best unreleased track. It's Exit. It's it's everything that's great about the Mark Ford era. And one of the great injustices that this band has done to us is there is not an officially properly mastered version of studio version of Exit or a live version from the Ford era that's properly mixed. That's my list. It's a hard one to come up with. Oh, man. Well, uh, guys, this has been a lot of fun. Absolutely. It has been a lot of fun. Uh, you guys have added a lot. Uh, it's very cool what you guys are doing with your band. Uh, you are talking about cosplay. If you guys ever make it down south, I'll put the Uncle uh, Sam Crow outfit on and, uh, and dance around the stage while you guys... Where do you live, Mississippi? Uh, yeah, yeah. So if you guys ever come to Nashville or something like that, it's like five-hour drive. I can be up there in no time. I'll, I'll dance around like uh, Uncle Sam Crow. I might actually pay for everybody to go down there just to see. <laughs> but not pick the set list. There, there you go. Yeah. I forget... I grew up in uh, Huntington, so we're both Long Island boys. Um, oh, swell. Yeah, and uh, there's actually some... Steve's brother lives in Huntington, actually, and there's some... Uh, wait, nothing's... We're thrilled in the planning stages, but there's a chance we might be in your neck of the woods this summer. My we'll brother see. lives in Northport. We're talking about coming down to Long Island this summer and playing a couple of gigs down in there. Yeah. So we'll look when that happens. But for people... Wherever, wherever you end up, I will be there, of course. Thank well, you. Just for people, one more time, they're listening to the podcast. Yeah, it's yeah. the Americans. And uh, we're really trying to do a very faithful Black Crows tribute act here where people can go and have the chance to hear anything or come up to us and say, I'd like to hear this. And this is for people that love, much like you two, who really you deserve a lot of kudos for putting this thing out and putting all the effort and time that you put into it. Totally. Who want to experience a Black Crow show but might not be able to. We're trying to scratch that itch and do it in a way that's, that's real. And, and, and has meaning. And for all of us, it does, just like it does for you guys. Yeah, totally. Uh, no, I mean, uh, you guys uh, definitely uh, do a fantastic job from everything I've seen. And, uh, you know, on, uh, on behalf of 
uh, David as well. I, I would like to say, I mean, you guys have always supported this, uh, this venture of ours right from the beginning. We do appreciate that. And we'll always keep that in mind. And, and we can't thank you enough for everything you've done uh, for us. Really? Thanks. It's, I mean, we love what you're doing. Um, it's a great way to get, it's sort of like this whole cult of magpie or whatever you call it. Like I, I had no idea that this was even a thing until I, you know, we have like probably this like a good dozen to 20 people that come to like every single one of our shows. Like that's crazy to me. You know? I mean, I just had no idea that there would be, you know, and it's, it's been a real community thing. Like we go out and some of us have traveled together since then to see magpie shows and things like that. And it's like, that to me is like the connection with people over this is so, I had no, I, I couldn't have had a, a dream to have that that would come true. You know what I mean? Like it just didn't make any sense that something like that would happen. The, the number of times we've all been in the same room and just didn't know it and never met. Yeah. It's just crazy. It's, so yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. I'm going to send you a copy of Exit. Okay. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, th- that's one of the great things about this band. It, there are very few just casual fans. You either yeah. get it or you don't. And, uh, one of the things that I've loved about doing the podcast, aside from Ian and I have become really good friends, is um, you get you get messages and stuff from people. Literally, like we got stuff from like Australia, all over the world, and people are like, you know, I didn't realize other people felt this way about the band. Like it's so good to have you know some someone to talk about the band and talk about what they mean. And I just feel like if you get this band, you get it. And regardless, you know, if you get mad about. Mark's in the band or they're not in the band. The reason you get mad is because the band meant something to you. And that that is, this. I mean, I, I love this band. They're my favorite band uh, uh, by far of all time. If I could go see a classic lineup of the Black Crows right now, I'm going to pick that over seeing the Stones. Um, you know, and, and, and it, it just, it means, it means so much to me. And so uh, we always love having people on that are, that are just fans like us. Uh, it always makes us, uh, it always makes us happy just to talk. Like we didn't have any real structure to this. It's just, like I said, we really appreciate it. And, uh, Ian and I, um, uh, really thank everybody for listening. Uh, Seth and Steve are in the band, the Amorkins. You can find them online. And, uh, normally we have somebody to, uh, a crow song to play us out. But this week we're going to play out with, um, the Amorkins version of Thorn in My Pride. And uh, Ian's going to cue that up right now. Stay tall, everybody, and here's Thorn in My Pride.
Thank you so much.